You can't trust trust. And Rishi is fishy. I'm Monica Perez, and this is today's Deep Dive. Before we unravel that riddle, I have to give you a little update on what's happening with me and a little insight, a little forewarning of what's about to happen. I, nothing tragic, just maddening. I, my lease is up on October 31st and they told us we could stay till my son graduates from high school and then they just changed their minds. So I've got to kind of move in a hurry, but I had already planned, as you probably know, because I've been talking about it for six months, in November to go hang out with my daughter who's in school abroad and definitely needs a little uh, taste of home. So I've got these plans and I have to move and I just feel like it is unlikely that I will be able to crank out three shows a week, but I will definitely try to crank out one show a week. If it's an interview or deep dive or whatever, I will try to keep the feed alive. And I also have a few personal things. I think I have a, I definitely have a fat Mitch in the can. I have a Q&A with my mom, but it requires so much editing that it's just not ready yet. But anyway, I will put one of those kind of bonus shows into the deep dives with Monica Perez feed. That's my commercial free feed. It's my stuff and only my stuff. So I don't mind putting personal stuff in there, which I don't put in the propaganda report feed. So if you are subscribed to that, you'll, you'll get everything, even if it's a little spotty during November. And I don't know when that's going to start. It might start before November. But anyway, forgive me. Please stay connected in that way. You can always email me at monicaperezshow at gmail.com if you want to talk to me or tweet at me at monicaperezshow. One thing I would love it if you would do for me is I have a lot of t-shirts. I made the mistake of reordering this huge batch of t-shirts because we sold the first batch. And I mean, there we have a few left, but uh, they were popular. So now I have a lot of t-shirts, which would have been fine, except for I'm definitely moving into a smaller place. So if you've never, people who support me probably have a t-shirt already. If you've never supported me before, I would ask you to please just buy a t-shirt. They're actually worth the price because I'm charging almost cost at this point, $15.99 a shirt. And I'll throw in a couple of stickers, Propaganda Report, DNB, I don't have deep dives ones yet, although I do have deep dives mugs. So if you go to the propaganda report on Shopify, just Google Shopify, the propaganda report, or you can go to monicasdeepdives.com and go to the support menu. And then in there is the shopping. So I would just love it if I could uh, sell off these t-shirts because I already paid for them and I don't want to lose track of them in a move and have to jam them into a small house. So there you go. That's everything. I have more stuff to tell you, but uh, I'll wait till next time because I've gone on too long. Uh, so, but let me tell you, okay, do you even know what I'm talking about? Do you even know who Liz Truss is? You might not because she is the shortest serving PM in UK history. She's the prime minister who took over after Boris Johnson. Today's headline in the Wall Street Journal, Liz Truss resigns as UK prime minister after tax plan caused market turmoil. So they're setting up that narrative. Uh, it says resignation after six weeks is set to make trust the shortest serving prime minister in British history. That is our diving board from the Wall Street Journal. 
And I have to say there was an amusing little tweet going around about a UK grocery store who I guess saw the writing on the wall with Ms. Truss and set up a little contest whether she would last longer than the head of lettuce with a blonde wig that they had set up in their store. And apparently the lettuce is still going strong. (laughs) So the lettuce won, and I think they put a little crown on the lettuce. And I just did think that was kind of clever because... You know, how long can lettuce last? Pretty long time, but (laughs) not compared to a human being in a job. Uh, Anyway, so a lot of, as uh, forgive my French, I don't think I ever curse on this show, but there's like a Canadian expression that I just love and it fits here. I think there's uh, fuckery about. (laughs) I definitely think there's something going on, but I thought there was something going on already because when Boris Johnson stepped down, I smelled a rat with that whole thing. Uh, And it was initiated by the resignation of his chancellor of the exchequer, Rishi Sunak. And it just seemed fishy. And I thought that fishy Rishi was teeing himself up to take Boris's place. I don't think that this was something that Boris wasn't in on. I think he was absolutely in on it. It was a bizarre set of circumstances that led to him just resigning under the uh, there and not being able to run again. So Boris Johnson, because after Rishi and the other guy, there was another, like the health minister, they led the charge and then dozens of other cabinet members resigned. But like some of them had just taken the place of others who had resigned. So it really inflated the numbers from what I could tell that nobody was reporting on that. But I was like, wait a second, like that guy was only a cabinet member for 24 hours. So a little bit of double counting there. But but what was really weird about it is that Bojo just capitulated that they did it, which you internal party fighting like that, that actually really hurts the party. Just it's it seems contrived to me. It doesn't seem like they're rogue actors and they go on their own and cause all this trouble and there's no repercussions and they have the nerve to do it. And then Johnson, who's got some cojones, like he just rolled over and This was after he had just survived a vote of confidence. So he did get the confidence of the MPs. He had won in the biggest landslide, I think, since Thatcher. So certainly since that era, the 80s. So he'd had a public mandate. He had the mandate from the MPs. And he just rolled over for something that was kind of stupid. I'm not even going to get into it. Or whatever, I should say. It didn't seem to be a reason for him to resign, considering some of the other things that he'd been up against. So, uh, because he had just called a confidence vote, he couldn't call another one. So it might've been okay for him to just call another one and say, see, like, this isn't that big a deal to people, but by as luck would have it for fishy Rishi, it's, there was no possibility for him to do that. It was against the rules. So just, it was a perfect storm. (laughs) It was a perfect storm. And, and here we are again with a complete setup that will, will work against him. In my opinion, I don't know what the outcome of this little dust up is going to be dust up, whatever the PM resigned, a new PM in the UK is big deal. But I don't know what is going to be, what is going to come out of it, but I'm working on the presumption that this Sunak guy is is being teed up to take the place, and there's just another perfect storm of weird things that may allow him to do that with credibility. 
So when so Liz is going and the head of the 1922 committee, which is I guess the Tory MPs, members of parliament who are in charge of making the rules here, made a strange set of rules. They want to get this done in a week. So anybody who wants to run for party leadership, so that's how they get their prime minister. It's the leader of the conservative party. And then every five years they have a general election where the people vote for which party they want ruling. So it really, it's basically between the labor and the Tories. They have other parties, but it really comes down to labor versus Tories. These guys are Tories. Labor, of course, is calling for a general election right now. I don't think that's going to happen. So they're looking for a party leader, and that will be the PM. So this 1922 guy said, we want to do this quickly, so if you want to run, you have to get the votes of 100 Tory members of parliament, and there's something like 357 Tory members of parliament. So it's a, you know, more than a third of them would have to vote for you. If more than one candidate gets 100 votes or more, then we'll take the top two and we'll do a runoff where bonafide party members, like 170,000 Britons, would have the right to chime in on that. But if only one person gets the 100 votes from the MPs, that person's it. There isn't going to be, there's be no more no more process. And you have to submit your 100 votes by Monday at 2 o'clock, like three days from now. And then the whole process would be done by Friday that week. I mean, that is crazy. And Bojo, Boris Johnson, is wildly popular still. Like, there's that whole Trump thing going, and people are like, bring him back. Like, bring Boris back, as opposed to build back better, which I will get to is what I think Fishy Rishi is all about. So... They want him back, but as luck would have it, he's in the Caribbean on vacation right now, and there's only a couple of days for him to respond to this and and rally the MPs to vote. And it's not, and the MPs aren't the ones who love him because they're like never Trumpers for him because of the issue with the resignation and some of his behavior towards them, dividing the party, and all of that. So I don't think he's going to make this grand comeback. But there's drama. There's drama, and it was made worse by the speech he gave when he was, when he stepped down, when he resigned. He, in his characteristic way, he made allusions to ancient history, literally, saying that he would, quote, return to his plow like the Roman statesman Cincinnatus. However, as I'm told by one of these English newspapers, That's not how Cincinnatus ended up seeing out his days because he was called back from his plow to return to Rome for a second term, this time as dictator. So that that was ominous at the time. Now I feel like it might make for an exciting weekend. I probably get this nitty-gritty of the machinations of political elections wrong most of the time because they're not based on fundamentals. It's it's kind of like stocks. Like if it was fundamentals or the economy, like if you could sit there and just analyze the fundamentals, you could probably do pretty well. But what you really have to guess at is what's going on behind the scenes. And I just cannot get into the minds of these Machiavellian, amoral politicians and uh, politickers, so I can't, I can't come up with that. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just saying 
I've been expecting that this guy was going to be put in place. I think in the beginning, after Bojo stepped down, you couldn't have the guy who caught his throat from behind take his place because that would be actually a moral hazard. Then people would start taking each other out figuratively to take their places and it would be too obvious. So I feel like trusts might have been a placeholder or a rebound, you know, not the one you marry, <laughs> but the one that gets you over the last guy. So I feel like there was something to it in that regard. So how did trust get elected? That I also think is kind of being set up for Rishi. So Rishi was the chancellor of the exchequer. He's kind of a young guy. He was a Fulbright scholar. He went to Stanford. He went to Oxford. He is definitely, definitely super elite. He made a ridiculous comment when he was like 20 or something. And I mean, the fact that he was in the public eye back then. And they, he said, you know, I have friends who are super elite. I have friends who are just like professional class, you know, business guys. And then I have working class friends. And he said, well, not working class. <laughs> and, and he's like, look, I was young and stupid. I'm like, yeah, but you were young and stupid to say it. But it's not like it wasn't true. So we can forgive you for saying it. But now we know that like you have no contact whatsoever with ordinary people. And I, that doesn't doesn't mean anything to me. I just don't know if he if he really did make the bones that he looks like he has from the resume that he has. He's worth like almost a bill. He's worth a billion dollars because he's worth almost a billion pounds. But that's because his wife is so rich. And that's where the story gets interesting. So let's get to that as soon as we can. But um, first about the what's happening right now or why we how we got here. So he was the chancellor of the exchequer. Uh, Sunak, Rishi Sunak, and he was overseeing the COVID thing. And he he was the guy who was writing stimmy checks and people loved him. Like, you know, they were like, wow, like he was a real fan favorite, real fan favorite. And then people, it's that slowed down. People said he wasn't doing enough as exchequer and that, and Boris, by the way, appointed him as exchequer. So they were buds. That's a big job. Oh, and then his family's wealth and stuff was getting scrutinized. So it looked like he was not maintaining the momentum he needed to, to win a general election or any of that. So what happened was he ran against Truss after Barr stepped down. And the way it works is the MPs cast their votes, the members of parliament cast their votes. And then if there ends up being a runoff, according to whatever rules they're using, it goes to the larger party. So the MPs, and I consider them to be all insiders doing what they're told, even though they're making it look like there's division, making it look like people are going rogue. They're cursing now. They're storming around. They're pushing each other like literally yesterday. And it's such ridiculous theater, in my opinion. I've been talking about this for years. Like that was stuff that was that goes on in third world countries. I realize now I think it was probably theater in third world countries as well. Maybe not when I saw it happening in Ukraine, but here, I expected it any day. People started using vulgarity publicly again, you know, like at that political level. Anyway, they're doing this stuff, and that really is shocking to me that they're using, that these members of parliament are using vulgarity publicly like that. I think it's, I, I think it's unheard of, but I could be wrong. Anyway, so they're like, there's all sorts of drama, whatever, but I think they follow scripts, clearly. And what they did was they gave him... A, more uh, votes than her 
in that first round of MP voting. But my guess is that that he really lost so much popularity that they had to find somebody who, you know, was also unpopular. So there wouldn't be such a spread between them when they went to the runoff. So they went to the runoff and she did win. And he got like 40 something percent of the vote, maybe 40, like it was considered close, but she did win. But I'm just thinking maybe he was just so unpopular and she also maybe was unpopular that, that they set that up so optically, it looks like he's a guy who would have gotten close to 50% of the vote. But if he went up against Johnson, he would get like 20% of the vote. Like I, I caught eye of a poll. If he were head to head with Johnson in the bigger election of the conservative party, he would absolutely turf it. But this gives that optical thing that like he's the MP's favorite and it was close between him, him and Trust, but she has like no mandate whatsoever because the MPs fixed this before it went to the larger party. And then, like what she did was so incredibly stupid and predictable, and weirdly, Sunak absolutely predicted it to the detail what a disaster her policy initiatives, a tax thing. She was gonna she was gonna cut taxes and give energy subsidies, which in this atmosphere to cut taxes as a way to stimulate the economy, like what everybody's doing now is they raise taxes or they don't care about the taxpayer and they just give free money to people who do not pay taxes. Drives me crazy personally, <laughs> but that's the trend. That's the style. That's what stimmy checks were. I didn't get a stimmy check, but for her to do that, it would be incredibly unpopular as like the wealth gap. Like everybody thinks of the wealth gap as being like, rich versus poor. It's the middle class that's getting taxed with this stuff. And it's the middle class that would benefit from it, but it gives the wrong impression. And then to give energy subsidies, like to give people money for rising fuel costs is insane. If you're facing real shortages, it's insane because it leads to overconsumption, like massive overconsumption, like, like catastrophic overconsumption. You need higher prices but it was just a stupid thing to say or do and totally predictable. And she's she has been in politics for a long time and she was an accountant and she had an exchequer. I mean, they, they know, in my opinion, they had to have known better. So I think she did it on purpose, but I wouldn't be surprised if she went along with it. For whatever reason, they sit you down, they promise you something later. I really don't know how it works. But what might have been cool for her, so she was supposedly an anointed or whatever you call it, but as it looked to me like Queen Elizabeth II's final act as queen, it seemed like to me. And around that, I don't know what else she might have done. And there were tons of rumors that Queen Elizabeth was already dead. So her image might have been propped up to get this done, to have her last act be to anoint a female PM. Trust gets to go down in history as the last PM anointed by the queen. People are going to yell at me. I know it's not anointed. I mean, it might be, but whatever. Accepted? I don't know. But also, she got to do all the pomp. And they have a lot of pomp. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance for the funeral, for the state funeral. Now, she was never, I mean, the, the coronation of Chucky Three is not till May. So she she's not around for that. But she might have found that worthwhile i mean or as a little payola they they care about that stuff i think they care about being in the public eye but what was interesting about her stupidity is that 
this Rishi Sunak, who was not in office at the time, I read two different articles where the headlines were, uh, one said that Sunak was prescient and the other called him a prophet because he predicted the outcome of her proposal. And in great specificity, he said the unfunded tax cuts would lead to a run on sterling. So the pound, which is tanking, I think the euro was is not doing well either, probably because the dollar is very strong. So I actually feel like she's overseeing this tanking of the pound. So Bojo didn't have to take the rap for that. And this guy doesn't have to take the rap for that. And he's laying it on her feet. And it and there there is pound activity in reaction to her, but I feel like that was happening anyway. I don't know. I don't know. I just got the impression that it was anyway. Uh, he said there would be a panic in the bond market, but of course there's a panic in the bond market because rates are rising. But yeah, I mean, it obviously gets ginned up by the news. And he said um, there's concern from the international, there would be concern from the International Monetary Fund. And that's a weird thing to predict because the IMF doesn't really care about like one of the most, if not the most mature economy in the world. Like they're not going to go hat in hand to the IMF. So it was a weird thing to predict. And I went, read one article that says even he may have been surprised by how quickly he was proved right in his predictions. The thing that just really is, is a rat, it smells like a rat to me, is that the IMF did actually come out and slap her down in words so strong. It was in that article, it said the blunt language was the sort normally reserved for struggling emerging market economies seeking financial support. And, and that really was like, yeah, I mean, that is exactly right. So the IMF has two main concerns. It's worried about trust not coordinating with the central bank and that fiscal and monetary policies would be working at odds towards each other. And I believe the second concern was that cutting taxes to stimulate the economy is not focusing on the people who need the money the most. You know, it's always the poverty thing. All right. Another thing that was weird is that when this was all unraveling, literally said in the newspaper that it was the anniversary of September 28th, 1976, when an earlier sterling crisis went into overdrive and uh, the labor chancellor had to abandon plans to go to an IMF meeting because the pound had hit the skids. And that just reinforced to me that what they're doing is they're trying to recreate conditions from the past that will get them to where they want to be. And I'm not 100% sure how they might go. This is why my show the other day on the semiconductors, how the machine is going to get all the information in the world and put it out there f to predict the future and to foment events until they can do that. The best I think they can do for like scenario analysis to control the world is to just try to look at past patterns and repeat them. So what I've thought they've been wanting to do since the repo market started getting squirrely in the fall of 2019 is they had this 11-year expansion, they had 2% interest rates or lower. They needed to get interest rates much, much higher. And you wouldn't do that when your expansion is very long in the tooth. No way to do that. You're actually closer to having to drop interest rates, which they did COVID to, for that main reason, in my opinion. So 
But if you look back, like when were interest rates really high? When did they spike like crazy? It was the Volcker Reagan thing in the beginning of the 80s. And that was a result of the stagflation, energy crisis, um, money values plummeting, all from the 70s. And I feel like they keep making these callbacks to stagflation, to energy crisis. And I feel like they're actually, we can connect the policies for when they are actually creating these problems. So another pattern they're repeating is that the party infighting and her own party revolting against her is what's leading to her resignation. So the rumor mill says that she got 50 to 100 members of parliament write her letters that say they had no confidence. So they could do a confidence vote, and I think it's a simple majority. So if there's 300 and I think 57 Tories in parliament, maybe she would need like 180, am I doing the math right, to vote that they had confidence in her, and there's just no way she was getting that, so she decided to step down. That's how it like ultimately played out. So now there is this crisis, right, which there, I mean, the, the Wall Street Journal had a headline that she created all these problems with her dumb things. So she did something dumb. But these pro- we're having some of these problems. So clearly she didn't create... The, her problems are, uh, in many ways, the same as our problems. Their problems are the same as ours, except for our dollar is strong. And that can't have both, I guess. Well, we don't have both. The, the pound is weak, the dollar is strong. But all that's being portrayed as her fault, and it's also being portrayed as the crisis. So... The crisis is there, and what are you going to do about it? It seems like the job for a technocrat. (laughs) So I'm going to interrupt the show here. I think it makes sense to do this in two parts. That was the stuff about Liz Truss, but the stuff about Rishi Sunak goes beyond whether or not he is the next prime minister. It's really about... I only figured it out because I was reading stuff about him and thanks to Dean's tweet to me that Infosys was absolutely hand in hand with the World Economic Forum. I mean, it's the the fabric of the World Economic Forum's plot to take over the world. I would say nothing short of that. And Infosys is his father-in-law's company. It's why his wife is so rich. And I feel like he's kind of a Manchurian candidate for the World Economic Forum by way of Infosys or for Infosys and the World Economic Forum as one. I feel like the entire premiership of Liz Truss maybe was to set the stage for a technocrat hero, which Rishi Sunak was set up to be. And by the time we do part two, by the time you hear part two, we'll know whether he, he was the, he did get in there or not. But that isn't going to stop the march of the Infosys stuff. And it's really, it's such a smoking gun. So it's going to, it's a little, you get a little tired head if you listen to the two different things at once. So I'm going to cut it here. This is the end of part one. We'll release part two soon. And that's it. So if you like me, you want to talk to me, you want to share this show, You can find it on Deep Dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform, and you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.